In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, If you were a fly on the wall circa 1985, watching yours truly make his way across the gym of St. Michael's Lutheran School in Wayne, Michigan, on the way to recess, there's a fair chance you would have heard me singing obnoxiously loudly at the top of my lungs. It was one of the many obnoxious things I did craving attention. Uh, It's a a handful of of go-to hits back then, but one I remember specifically uh, was one called Kyrie, uh, one by uh, a a band called Mr. Mister. I I thought of it this week, actually, because it came up on the 80s station that Phoenix, as I've mentioned before, uh, likes to listen to in the car. Kyrie lays down the road that I must travel. It's very 80s that way. Kyrie lazing through the darkness of the night. Stuff like that. And lights and, yeah, again, very, very 80s, you know, uh, uh, wind machines in the, in the video and that. Uh, I, I sang that song again obnoxiously, loudly in the car the other day because I, I still like it. Uh, part of the reason back then that I thought it was cool was because its title word, Kyrie, showed up in Hindle on Sunday. <laughs> I actually think that was the the first time that I learned what the word Kyrie actually means, that it means Lord, and that Kyrie liaison means Lord have mercy. Knowing, knowing that made me think that I had some kind of uh, a special connection with uh, the song singer, a guy named Richard Page, who a Wikipedia um, told me this week was actually the son of a church musician, so I know where he got the word. It made me think I had this special connection, some insider information. Lots of people loved Kyrie. It was a number one hit for a few weeks. But I knew, I knew where the word, and the song even, came from. Came from church. And of course it does come from church. We sing the Kyrie with our Lord have mercies in one form or another just about every week around here, just as the church has been doing for a very long time like the early 4th century, which as far as liturgy and church worship goes is a long time. We haven't even been been celebrating Christmas that long. Uh, The Kyrie is technically the first prayer of the liturgy proper. Historically, the liturgy didn't start with a a confession of sins and a hymn, but started instead with the introit. Introit literally means he enters, because it's the psalm that God's people would sing as the priest would make his way into the chancel area. I still, if I remember anyway, take the steps uh, up these stairs into the, into the chancel area while we sing the, the introit. But after that, after that comes the curiae. After that comes the Kyrie, immediately following the Intuit, God's people in one fashion or another, usually as part of a longer prayer, cries out, Kyrie, eleison. The first prayed words we direct to God, Kyrie, eleison, Lord, have mercy. So if Mr. Mister, he got the Kyrie eleison from the liturgy, where did the liturgy get it from? Well, if you've been listening, or a few minutes ago anyway, to the gospel lesson, you know it came from a guy named Bartimaeus and a bunch of others like him, like the ten lepers exiled to die alone, and the Syrophoenician woman a dozen years sick and unclean, and the father of a demon-possessed son at his wit's end, they and their ilk... All cry out, Son of David, Jesus, Lord, have mercy. 
Even going back further into the Old Testament, especially into the Psalms, we find these types beat up forefathers and let down foremothers, praying out the same. Languishing. Have mercy. I've had my fill of contempt. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. I'm so lonely. Lord, hear me, for no one else does. Have mercy. I've been crying out all day long. I'm hard-pressed. I'm sick. People are walking all over me. All those examples from the Psalms of folk crying out, Kyrie, eleison. I don't think it's too much to say that to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus, is to be someone who cries out, Lord, have mercy. Old Testament, New Testament, right into our liturgy. Lord, have mercy. And something I noticed, you may have noticed too, about some of those examples I gave you, that except for a couple of instances in the scriptures, the people crying out, Lord, have mercy, aren't really looking for forgiveness. That's not the main thing they're, they're crying out for. I mean, don't get me wrong, the church is in the forgiveness business. You come here every single week because you need forgiveness. You come looking for the the sin-loosing proclamation that in the name of Jesus all your sins are forgiven, that as far as the east is from the west. So have your sins been removed from you? That you have been clothed in the righteousness of Christ that covers it no matter how big, ugly, corrosive, shameful, or hard to shake, covers it all. But that's not all you need. Not all you come looking for. All those people crying out for mercy in the Bible, if you were to go to them and proclaim, in the name of Jesus, all your sins are forgiven, brother, sister. They'd probably say, well, that's wonderful. I mean, it really is. But brother, I still hurt. My daughter is still sick. I still ache with grief. Look at this guy from our text for today. I love how he's introduced, by, by the way, the son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar. I love that he's introduced in exactly the opposite way that most people probably usually saw him, the way we'd probably have seen him. We'd see a beggar, maybe cringe a little bit, then we'd notice he's blind. And especially in Jesus' day, then you'd ask yourself, what did he do to, to get that way? Something that was his fault. The same way we might look at someone on the road and say, oh, he smells like alcohol, he's an addict, that was his choice kind of thing. And then we might, we might wonder, um, or we might find out that he has a name. We finally might, uh, dawn, it might dawn on us that the guy actually has a family and people who care for him. But he's introduced here in, in Mark in just the opposite way. He's introduced the way we all want to be introduced, like someone who's really known. We're first told what? He's the son of Timaeus. That is, he has a family. He's a people who love him, a a mother who knows his favorite foods. And he has a name, it's Bartimaeus. The one he used to write proudly at the top of his worksheets in the second grade and that dad used to write on the inside of his boxer shorts. And and after that, the son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus. Then these other things too, that he's blind and we say, oh, what what a horrible, horrible affliction. And because of that, he's left a beggar. Crying out, Lord, have mercy. Son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus, the blind beggar who will not give up. Like the church for the last 1,700 years will not give up. Keeps crying, Lord, have mercy. And then Jesus comes and asks him, what would you, do, what would you have me to do for you? Which might sound like a dumb question. I mean, he's a blind beggar. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe give me my sight. 
But it's only a dumb question um, when you realize that, or only a dumb question for us who would only see him as a blind beggar. I think Jesus asks him, what would you have me do for you? Because Jesus sees him as the son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus, and he knows that there could be uh, thousands of things for which Bartimaeus is seeking mercy. Maybe his father is sick. Or maybe his good friend's been in an accident. Or maybe he's hungry or needs someone to talk to as a real human being for, for ten minutes. It's like if you walked up to me and you hear me you know, mumbling under my breath, Lord, have mercy, I can pretty much guarantee, even if I'm you know, limping around in a, I don't know, with a cast on my foot, that you probably don't know exactly what it is I'm praying for. Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy. It's the beggar's prayer. The, the kind of prayer we utter when we feel we have nothing to offer this situation, which is pretty often probably why it's the, the, the liturgy's oldest prayer. It's the blind beggar's prayer, what you throw out there when you really can't see a way out. At least those are the kind of situations that I find myself saying, Lord, have mercy, when you kind of have nothing else to say. How is this going to get fixed? Maybe imagine some situation where folks just seem to be completely talking past one another. Whether it be about COVID or politics or race or, or maybe within a marriage heavy on resentment and light on affection. Where it just seems that there's no way out and that nothing can be said that won't just make things worse. Lord, have mercy. Think of a fifth grader taunted because she's too skinny or a, a seventh grader bullied because he's too fat or an eleventh grader who kind of wishes that she were a bullied or taunted because that would at least mean that people noticed her. Lord have mercy. The parents of a child just sentenced to jail for something that would make you cringe if, he said it, if I said it out loud. And for their child who in addition to loving Jesus hates himself. And his soul and his soul and mind twisted from years of sexual abuse, and who knows people will forever cringe when they find out what he's done. Lord have mercy. These are all real, by the way, none of them made up. A thirty-something woman telling you how the other day she found herself, sleeves rolled up, digging her hands into the urn that holds the ashes of her parents, who died tragically six months ago, quote, just so she could feel close to them again. A six-year-old boy at a grief support group called The Sharing Place, saying how, quote, I'd just like to die for a few days so that he could go to heaven to teach his three-year-old sister how to ride a tricycle. Lord, have mercy. And on and on. Those are all real, real stories, by the way. Lord, have mercy. The blind beggar's prayer, what you pray when you have nothing to offer and you can't see a way out, no easy fix. Lord, have mercy. Here's the thing. It's what we pray as God's people when other people just pray, son of a, ugh, oh my, or maybe just can't say anything at all and walk away shaking their heads. Others say that, but we crazy people cry, Lord, have mercy. Why? Because you know the Lord, and you know he is merciful. To which you might say, well, I kind of know it, but it's really hard. 
I tried to believe that, but I sure wish he was merciful in exactly the same way he was to Bartimaeus, who got exactly what he asked for, his sight back. It'd be a lot easier to pray, Lord, have mercy if God cured my depression, fixed my marriage, made middle school easy, cast out my demons, and let me ride tricycles with my sister. Yes, it would be easier. (laughs) But still, Lord, have mercy. Hard to believe or not, the Lord is merciful. In fact, that's one of the great reasons we have it in the liturgy. So especially when you're not feeling like praying it, you kind of have to because it's right there in front of you. Well, Lord have mercy. The Lord is merciful because Jesus is Lord and Jesus is merciful. Because the one who knew the son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus, as more than a blind beggar, he knows you too. He knows all the things you need mercy, even if it does not fix you and them the way you'd like. And I'm not asking you to let him off the hook for that. Keep yelling at him. Even if he doesn't fix everything as you'd like, he knows you as surely as he knows, as surely and as well as he knows the son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus, and that Syrophoenician woman and the distraught father and all their forefathers and foremothers who, who sang the psalm. He knows you. From before the foundation of the world, he knows you and he hears you and he's brought you to a place like this. In fact, maybe this is exactly the way Jesus is mercying you right now. By bringing you to a place where you can hear over and over the story of how he so loves you, lived and died and rose up for you. And why did he rise? Well, because a dead man can't be merciful. (laughs) He rose with the promise that he will be merciful. That he was merciful now, maybe in ways that you don't exactly see or, or you, wouldn't have cho- you wouldn't have chosen. With the promise that he will be merciful and that in the end, come Lord Jesus. In the end, mercy wins. Jesus rose with the promise that he will never leave you. Especially as you pray, Lord, have mercy. That he'll be with you, strengthen you with that story until the end of the age. He's brought you to a place to hear that story with other people who pray, Lord, have mercy with you and for you. Other people to help you trust he's merciful when it's hardest to. Kyrie lazing down the road that I must travel. It's the blind beggar's prayer. It's the church's prayer. Pray it and sing it loudly, obnoxiously if necessary. Lord, have mercy. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.